produces this kind of fruit. This comes from uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses, I think, 23 through 27. We've read this verse in two different versions. We're going to read it now in a third, the New Living Translation. Holy Spirit, Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ have nailed their passions and desires of the sinful nature to the cross and have crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not be conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. But the fruit of the Spirit is this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you've been listening along, you've already heard about love and joy. And today we're talking about something that's actually, I think, very similar to joy. Most commentaries don't do a lot of separation between joy and peace. Because how many people know that, it, you, like, you kind of have to, like, you have to have some peace before you can be joyful. I mean, some of us don't. Some of us can just live in chaos and have joy. But very few people are that way. Most people, you need a level of peace in order to have a level of joy. And, and just like the other two, we can't manufacture peace. We think that we can, but we can't. There's no amount of insurance that you can have. There's no amount of savings in your bank account that will give you peace. It's, it's a lie. You will not have peace. You will just have that amount of money and still no peace. So let me give you an example of that. So in my home, I often try to manufacture peace. And it's hard to do. With the invention of Netflix, it's much easier to do. Octonauts oftentimes can manufacture peace. If you don't know what octonauts are, you don't have a two-year-old. Hey, he turns three next week. Amen? He made it. I try to manufacture peace. But here's the thing about peace. The more you seek after it, oftentimes the harder it is to achieve. The more you chase it. Let me give you, an, kind of using the same. That is having a tantrum. I learned from Lisa Daly that the best thing that you can do is move them to a safe location and let them get it out. But that is not how I do things. So when Matt is having a tantrum, I get on his level like a good parent, and I say, Matthew, why are you having a tantrum? To which he goes, ah! and I just lose, you know, I lose. And then all of a sudden, not only does he not have peace, now I don't have peace. So at some point, I'm, I'm no longer on his level. I'm standing up above him, and I'm going, you need to be quiet. And he's going, you're yelling. And, and, it's just bad, and it's just a cycle. This is what it's like oftentimes when we seek peace in our life. We say, hey, if I just have this promotion, then I'll have peace. Great movie, Adam Sandler, called Click. Have you ever seen the movie? The, the movie's a, oh, oh my gosh. Okay, y'all need to go rent Click right now. He goes to a bed, bath, and beyond, and meets Christopher Walken in the Beyond Department. <laughs> and Christopher Walken's like, look, I understand that you need something to make you happy. And he's like, look, uh, I need something that's going to make my life better. 
a remote control because he has a remote control for every, he has too many remote controls in his life, that is a place of no peace. Um, and, he, and Christopher Walken's like, I have a remote that controls everything. And he's like, that's the remote that I want. And he's like, uh, it controls everything though. Like, are you sure that you want the remote that controls everything? And he's like, yes. So he gives him the remote and Adam Sandler can do can control any person or any aspect of his life. And so he can, like, when the dog's barking outside, he can mute it. He can, like, when the, when the annoying neighbor kid is, like, playing catch with him, he, with his dad and, like, being all annoying, he can, like, pause it and then move his hand down and the ball will hit him in the head instead of him catching it. Like, Adam Sandler, of course, uses it for funny Adam Sandler things. But he soon, soon learns that the more he skips through his life, he's like, okay, you know, fast forward through this cold that I have. And then he wakes up two days later and all of his work is done and he's happy and there's no sniffles. He's, he realizes that he fast forwards so much that he misses most of his life waiting for peace. The more he seeks it, the less peace he has until he's Adam Sandler in a fat suit screaming and crying as an old person. It's, it's really kind of a sad movie at that moment. Um, but it's a funny movie. Click. And I think that movies like that and experiences in our life, they teach us something kind of central, which is that if you don't have peace, you don't have much. You can think that you have a lot. And so I, I'm asking the question this morning, what, what is peace? What is it really? And I came up with a definition because it's massively important biblically. I want you to understand, when I, when I was in seminary, they didn't make us learn that many Greek words. We could always like go to the dictionary, but we had to learn like the, the top 100 greatest hits. The, the 100 Greek words that were most used, and you went from the most used ones, like articles, like A&N and, and that type of thing, all the way, and, and on like one of the first tests, like week two of learning Greek words, is the word for peace. I'm not going to make you pr- pronounce it because it's kind of hard, but um, peace is one of the most repeated words in the New Testament. And so it's important that we know what it is. So um, what is Peace. I'm going to give you a definition. Peace is a physical and mental state of well-being stemming from contentment in present circumstances. Peace is the physical and mental state of well-being stemming from contentment in present circumstances. Not pleasant circumstances, present circumstances. Hear that. Not present, pleasant circumstances, present circumstances. And so when we talked about joy, we got kind of to the same thing, right? Joy was about being in the middle. That's what we talked about last week. It's not about having a lot. It, you probably need at least a little bit to get to joy, but you, but you can't have, having too much, you're not going to have any joy anymore. Peace is very similar. And the other thing I want to point out about this definition, peace is not just the mental state of well-being, it's the physical state of well-being. If you don't have mental peace, you don't have physical peace. We know this psychologically. People who don't have mental peace, they get sick physically. Your body reacts to, to, a, to a, an amount of stress. Makes you sick. And so I want to say three things. One, it's important because it's so commonly used. Second, it's important because I think it's Jesus' primary message to the world. When, when Jesus says, um, when he uses, self-titles himself using Old Testament references, he calls himself the Prince of Peace. 
and the Lord of Lords, but the Prince of Peace. And third, peace is really central to human well-being, we just talked about. And so I want to jump into uh, Philippians here, because I think a lot of these fruits of the Spirit, we have to see where, where else Paul talked about this thing. And so um, if you want the, the biblical definition for that definition up there, it sounds, sounds something like this. This is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. We've talked about that before. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard our hearts and our minds as we live in Jesus Christ. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. This is about, remember, you can't, you can't earn it. You can't do it for yourself. But, but as long as you're opening yourself up to the will of God, as long as you're opening yourself up to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can do it in you. Don't worry about anything. At least that's what Paul's saying. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Like I talked about at the beginning, peace is fickle. The more we seek it, just like joy, the harder it is to find. And the difference between peace and joy, I think, is that joy is about what we get, and peace is about how we rationalize. And that's like kind of a complicated thing. I'm trying to try to unpack it for you. But joy, it's much easier for me to say to somebody who's constantly striving for more, or constantly trying to give up everything so that they can be like a, a peasant and live, you know, with nothing. Minimalism is what they call it, right? It's hard for me to, it's easy for me to talk to people about that because I go, hey, look, you're on that end of the spectrum, you got to come back to the middle. You're on this end of the spectrum, you got to come back to the middle. Peace is, is, is that, but instead of it being about physical things, it's about understanding. Most people think that if they could just understand enough, if they just had all the answers, then they would have peace. And like I said before, yeah, there is some physical stuff, like if you have a, the bank account and, and the insurance and all that, but, but really, peace is much more about trying to figure out your circumstances. Why do bad things happen to good people? People think if they could answer that question, then they'd be at peace. But this is really interesting to me. When Paul talks about peace, he already knows the proclivity, even though their society was not nearly as focused on understanding as our society, he already knows the proclivity for people to go there. And so he says, God's peace exceeds, surpasses, comes before your understanding. And if you take nothing else away from this message today, it is this. It's pretty simple. You cannot get to peace through understanding. If it exceeds understanding, you can't get there through understanding. A lot of people think that they can, but they can't. I know a lot of people who have gone through some pretty extreme things in their life. I was a chaplain. I talk about it a lot because it was so formative to me. And as a chaplain, experiencing learning from all the different people that I have learned from, I learned something pretty central pretty easy. And that's that circumstances and peace 
they don't really correlate. I, I had people in the hospital who had hip replacements, voluntary hip replacements who had no peace. They were so upset with their decision because now they felt pain that they didn't feel before. And then on the other side, I had people who had, were, were diagnosed at 30 years old with a terminal illness, and they had peace. What was the difference? The people who were diagnosed with a terminal illness did not try to understand why they were suffering. The people with the hip replacement almost always tried to figure out why they felt how they felt. The people with the terminal illness almost never, at least the ones with peace, did not try to blame it on something. The people with the hip replacement almost always, well, you know, if I hadn't played so much football when I was in third grade, that was the last time I played a competitive sport. And then I'm like, yeah, but so you sat on a couch after third grade and you're wondering why you need a hip replacement? But no, but they're like, no, if I hadn't played so much competitive football in third grade, I wouldn't, I wouldn't need this hip replacement. Well, if I wasn't just getting so old, you love how people start blaming age. Like, I just got old, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm old and that's the problem. It's like, so you would rather not have gotten old? But people who try to explain their circumstances never have peace. People who accept their circumstances, not through understanding. This is a hard message for us today. You think it's hard for you, it's really hard for me. Okay, I went to, I went to three years of school to understand one book. Think about that. People are like, I met somebody at the park the other day. They said, they said I have a master's degree. She had like three master's degrees. She was like, I have a master's degree in business, a master's degree in, in language, and a master's degree in, uh, in uh, Middle Eastern studies. And I was like, yeah, that's basically what I have, except for instead of all those things, I have a master's degree in a book. Middle Eastern studies 2,000 years ago, business of the ancient world, and Greek. <laughs> but I have a master's degree in a book. So you think it's going to be hard for you to get over not understanding things? It's really hard for me. Okay? But I can't have peace when I try and figure it out. Peace looks something like this. When my dad was, 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 was dying, and, and actually this is, I don't even have to use him as, as an example. I can use almost anybody else. Whenever I encountered somebody who was dying of cancer in the hospital, I would have, their friends would come up and they would say the worst things. Right? So well-meaning. They would say the worst things because I had just been talking to the patient for two hours or something about them just being like, I accept my circumstances. I accept it. It's hard. I'm going to miss the people that I'm going to miss, but I accept it. And then their friends would be like, mm, I'm going to use a southern accent here because I always felt like it was very southern theology. They'd, they'd be like, mm, honey, bless your heart, but like, you don't know how God is refining you through this process. Ooh, you don't know how God's going to use that, which is like a beautiful idea. But they're not worried about how God's using it. They're worried about accepting it. See, here's the thing. You want to know how God's going to help you get over your loss of your friend, but you've just imposed that on them. And the more you do that, the more you try and figure out why God does all the things that God does or why the world works the way it works and why Jacksonville didn't get hit by a hurricane, the Bahamas did, the more you do that, the less you will have peace. The more you try and figure it out, the less you will have peace. You want to know how I know this? Because the people who are the most rigid theologically, people who are fundamentalists who interpret the Bible literally, have the, le the least amount of peace. They've tried to box everything into a little tight little thing. Like, like okay, you know, I have all the systematic theology. 
beautiful, beautiful attempt. Really good for understanding the Bible. Really bad for getting peace. And so I want to give you an, an, uh, an alternative because I've talked a lot about what it's not. So I'm going to give you an alternative and, and then I'm going to be I'm just like, we're going to do an activity. Anybody follow me on Instagram? Yeah, anybody? Okay, Grace and Kira, thank you. I'm going to go crawl in a hole somewhere. I'm just kidding. You guys don't have Instagram. You guys don't even have smartphones. Um, that's right. Two can play. Grace, Kira, do you know what I did on Friday? Were you, were you, were you a party to that? Or does anybody remember? There's a couple of people from church who are following along. I had an adventure. The coolest adventure ever. Went something like this. My wife had to work for like three and a half hours doing photography stuff, um, and Matt and I needed to be out of the house. It's one of the, the beauties of her working from home. Dad has to come up with stuff to do that's not just sitting around. And uh, she started by, by we, we had some new crayons that are super like soft, and it's, it's a long story, I'm giving you too much background. She drew this beautiful adventure map for, for Matt. And it was, just, it was nothing. He was just into the idea of being a pirate and searching for lost treasure. And she said, oh, let's draw a treasure map. That'd be fun. So we drew a treasure map. And um, it, it went like past some big rocks. And then it went past a volcano. And then it, it went past a big storm. And, it, you know, there's like a lot of different pieces. It went past a sea monster. And like it went all the way. And then it, finally it wound up getting to the buried treasure. And... Uh, me, I'm an extra person, you know what I mean? Like, I go all out for everything. Um, so we get in the car, and I'm like, let's do the adventure on the treasure map. And Matt's like, yeah, okay, Dad, there's no such thing as sea monsters. And I was like, oh, really? For the next three and a half hours, we went around the southwestern suburbs. We climbed the stairs at the Swallow Cliffs for the volcano. We visited a local saltwater um, aquarium shop and found a baby sea monster. We, right, like we just did it all. We found some big rocks at Centennial Park. And in the middle of it, right towards the end, right before we got to the grocery store, which is where the treasure was. <laughs> Y'all know, so I, spoiler, it was chocolate milk. It was really cute video at the end of the Instagram story. He's drinking the chocolate milk and then we go, was it worth it? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> Three and a half hours of driving. Okay, but in the middle of it, right before I got to the grocery store, I looked in the rearview mirror and I saw my son and I thought, there is no place I would rather be right now than on an adventure with an almost three-year-old. I didn't think about what my retirement savings were going to look like. I didn't think about the future of our church. I wasn't thinking about whether I was going to die young of a preventable health condition. I wasn't thinking about potential global conflicts that might affect my life in, in the near future. I wasn't thinking about a trade war with China. I wasn't thinking about news and, and all the... I literally just in that moment experienced peace. 
we really want to understand why bad stuff happens. We really want to figure it all out. We really want to have all the answers. But I think that if we just stopped for a moment and just looked at exactly the moment that we were in in that, in that space and that time, we'd realize that peace is never something that you're going to get. Peace is something that you have right now. You can't seek it. Sometimes it's hard to remember it. But there are so many moments in our lives that if you just stop and realize the gift that you've been given. And I have a whole thing on here about peace being a proclamation and us doing this for neighbors, but I'm going to skip it all. Because as much as peace is about us seeking the peace of other people, you can't seek the peace of somebody else if you don't even know what you're seeking. It's at this point in the service when the church engaged in a contemplative practice, and we want to invite you who are listening along to engage in that contemplative practice. Uh, if you are in a safe, lo- safe location, uh, not if you're driving or focused on something else, but if you are in a place where you can take some time now, I want to invite you to go get a piece of paper and to set a timer for two minutes. And during this time, uh, you're not going to use the paper quite yet, but during this time, you are going to try and focus on emptying your mind and focusing and listening for the voice of God. And any time you feel your thoughts start to wander or you begin to get distracted about anxieties or something that you haven't done yet or um, things that you need to accomplish, just simply say the word either out loud or internally, peace, and return your mind to listening for God. And so if you have not done so yet, go ahead and get that piece of paper. Uh, You'll be using it in a moment. And uh, when I say pause, go ahead and pause this recording and wait for two minutes and practice emptying your mind, listening for the Holy Spirit. Okay, go ahead and pause. If you didn't pause, I'm going to encourage you to not listen to the rest of this until you actually pause. So um, go back again. Remember, a piece of paper, timer set for two minutes. It's not going to be as long as it feels. Uh, Maybe it'll feel extra long. Maybe it'll be really good. So just take that time. Actually do this. Begin now. Pause. Okay, now that you have taken the two minutes to spend some time with God, listening to God's voice, I want you to take that piece of paper and a pen and uh, write down some of the things, some of the perhaps anxieties or distractions that uh, might have come into your head during that time, Um, those things that you were pushing out of your mind with the word peace. And after you write those things down, try and list uh, for about a minute, 30 things for some people, maybe it's only three things for you. It will be different for everyone. Go ahead and uh, take that piece of paper, fold it up, and put it in a place uh, like a trash can or um, somewhere far out of your reach, out of your mind's eye, where you won't be thinking about those distractions anymore. 
And this time set your, your timer for 90 seconds, that's a minute and a half, and uh, do the same thing again and, and see how, if at all, your perspective on those things that, that perhaps were trying to invade your piece, that were trying to uh, alter your state of being listening, uh, being in listening for God, have changed. I'm going to invite you to do that. This time I'm not going to psych you out by asking you if you did the timer. If, if you're following along, I'm going to assume at this point that you've, that you've done the activity so far. And so 90 seconds are going to be on the clock um, beginning now. Pause this recording. Great. Take some time, uh, perhaps journal about what that experience was like for you. You can pray, um, this time using words, not trying to empty your mind, but um, by thinking of things to pray. Uh, you can, if you're a verbal processor, go to a person in your life and tell them about that experience. Uh, if you are a person who processes through art, I uh, encourage you to, to pick up whatever your art form is. If you're a person who sings through, uh, meditative experiences, go ahead and you know, pick up a guitar or a piano or turn on a track and sing along. Um, whatever you need to do to solidify that experience. And then I want to encourage you, if, uh, if this was something that was helpful to you, um, this is only the beginning and uh, only, what was it, maybe five minutes total uh, this activity took you. Um, people often do this for, for 20 minutes at a time, 30 minutes at a time. And uh, oftentimes people uh, are report that um, the longer they spend in silence, the clearer God's voice becomes. And it is something that is trained. It is a muscle that you work out. It gets better over time. And so the more frequently you do this and for the longer periods you do this, the more effective at creating peace in your life it will become. I want to thank you for listening to this recording and for listening to this opportunity to engage in contemplative practice. God bless, and go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen.